Trust the Lord will bless us all for being here. This evening is a message of encouragement out of Isaiah 40, and I've titled it Renewed Strength. If you'd like to open your Bibles there to Isaiah 40, I'll start reading there and like to read the whole chapter with verse 1. Comfort, yes, comfort my people, says your God. Speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned. For she has received from me, for she has received from me the Lord's hand double for her sins. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted. And every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight and the rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. The voice said, cry out. And he said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass and all its loveliness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades because the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. O Zion, you who bring good tidings, get up into the high mountain. O Jerusalem, you who bring good tidings, lift up your voice with strength. Lift it up. Be not afraid. Say to the cities of Judah, behold, your God, behold, the Lord God shall come with his strong hand and his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his work before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, measured heaven with a span and calculated the dust of the earth in a measure, weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance? Who has directed the spirit of the Lord or who or as his counselor has taught him? With whom did he take? Counsel, and who instructed him and taught him in the path of justice? Who taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are as a drop in a bucket and are counted as a small dust on the scales. Look, he lifts up the aisles at every little thing, as a very little thing. And Lebanon is not sufficient to burn, nor its beast sufficient for a burnt offering. All nations before him are as nothing, and they are counted by him as less than nothing and worthless. To whom then will you liken God, or what likeness will you compare to him? The workman molds an image, the goldsmith overspreads it with gold, and the silversmith casts a silver chain. Whoever, it is, whoever is too impoverished for such a contribution chooses a tree that will not rot. He seeks for himself a skillful workman to prepare a carved image that will not totter. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth. And its inhabitants are like grasshoppers who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. He brings the princes to nothing. Thanks. He makes the judges of the earth useless. Scarcely shall they be planted, scarcely shall they be sown, scarcely shall their stock take root in the earth, when he will also blow on them and they will wither and the whirlwind will take them away like stubble. To whom then will you liken me 
Or to whom shall I be equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these things. Who brings out their hosts by number? He calls them all by name. By the greatness of his might and the strength of his power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my just claim is passed over by my God. Have you not known, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the end of the earth, neither faints nor is weary? His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might. He increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be worried. The young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And I think I could close the passage here and we could all just meditate on this and be well uh, fed this evening. But I'm going to move I don't know if I want to say beyond that, but I'm going to share some of my thoughts here this evening on this passage. It's a very special passage. I think it was read to us maybe just a couple of weeks ago in a, in a devotional. I'd like to look over it and then make some comments. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem in verse 2 and proclaimed her that her hard service has been completed. Her sin has been paid for. You know, Isaiah addressing a prophetic letter of comfort to the people of Israel. Before, you know, their return from Babylon. Before their exile even. Before, probably before Hezekiah's wicked son Manasseh was even reigning. And uh, Manasseh would have come after Hezekiah and then after Hezekiah's reign if I have things together right, if my memory serves me right, they went into Babylon and were there for their period of exile. This passage here, Isaiah not only foretold their exile, but also foretold their coming back and writes a letter of comfort. She was sent there. Israel was sent there for her idolatrous ways because of her terrible idolatry. Every valley shall be raised up. A voice says, cry out. And he says, what shall I cry? Verse 6. All the people are like grass, and all their faithfulness is like the flower of the field. It withers. Their flowers fall. But the breath, by the breath of the Lord, but the, the word of our God endures forever. Verse 8. And then there's a proclamation. Say to, your, say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power and rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. You know, speaking of the power of God, who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand or with the breath, breath of his hand marked off the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket, in a scale? It's, Lebanon is not sufficient for the altar fires, nor its animals enough for burnt offering. Lebanon was a small country, a small country yet today, flanked by the Mediterranean Sea on its west, Israel to its south and Syria to the east. It was a bountiful and beautiful country. It was a trading country. The cedars of Lebanon 
We remember you're reading through the Bible and it's speaking of the cedars of Lebanon. They were a beautiful uh, tree and, and uh, very useful. Today, there's only scrub there because they were over-harvested. Scrub cedars. The large, beautiful cedars have, have been mostly taken out. And the many beasts have been uh, killed, but in that day, there were many, many um, before all the civil wars and so forth. And then there's the utter stupidity of us mortals attempting to fabricate God. How can you compare God? What image will you liken Him to? You know, the, the idol, the metal worker, he puts together something. A person too poor to, to make something out of silver or gold makes it out of wood. And then the uncertainty of earthly power. Only God is certain. And it seems to me that in Isaiah 40, verse 25, the Lord says, Dare me, to, who will, to whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal? You know, we continue to struggle the fathom of the depths of the universe and beyond. And creating them is, is something much, much beyond our imaginative, even our imaginative powers. We don't understand the stars' language. And we couldn't possibly communicate with the stars. Nor is there any possibility of us as man holding the universe in its place, holding the stars in their places, holding the heavenly bodies on their course. God does see in verse 27. My way is hidden from the Lord. That complaint comes in. My cause is disregarded by my God. And he responds, Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord, is, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary in his understanding. No one can fathom. So again this evening, this message is for the weary, the tired, the weak, the stumbling, and even the falling servant of God. Servant of Christ. My mind went back to that passive scripture in Psalms when I was thinking of this. And uh, it seems like a prophetic scripture of Christ. The fear of imminent violent danger of harm in Psalm 22. It says, From birth I was cast in you, from my mother's womb you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near me, and there is no one to help. Many bulls surround me. Strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. Roaring lions that tear their prey apart. Prey open, their mouths wide against me. Many bulls have compassed me. Men with the fierceness and fury of bulls. This country of Bashan... Um, it was in the territory of the East Jordan, north of Gilead, and according to Barnes, and was given to the half-tribe of Manasseh. It was a distinguished pasture land. Um, its trees and its breed of cattle are frequently referred to in the Scriptures. The oaks of Bashan are mentioned in connection with the cedars of Lebanon. The bulls of Bashan here are alluded to for their size and their fierceness and their violence. They grew 
They were a good breed, evidently, and they grew large and they were they had good food. You know, bulls evoke a strong impression in my mind. Uh, these big beasts weighing, you know, up around 2,000 pounds, more or less. Beast with horns. Beast with fierce tempers. Um, I remember one of my, a big bull in my grandpa's barn. I was probably only six or seven. The thing roaring at me, bellowing at me, pawing, wanting to get out the door. We'd stand there and look at it. We were in the barn and there was a lot of oak between us and the bull. But we didn't even feel safe then. Um, I've seen bulls, you know, roaring and bellowing at each other from across the fence, pawing the ground. And I remember as a boy, we had a lot of area that we could roam. There were a lot of gravel roads. We were all lived fairly close to each other. And there were shortcuts we could take from one farm to the other, one from one place to the other, but uh, we always made sure that we detoured the pastures that had the bulls in them. We didn't want to go through that. We didn't want to have a race with a bull. Um, and so I think sometimes spiritually or even physically, we feel like the, we feel like the bulls of Bashan are, are threatening us in a lesser way maybe, but maybe no less real than what Christ felt. There's the struggle then, maybe a lesser part. Weary, weak, tired. It's day after day. It wakes you up at 3 a.m. and leaves you feeling troubled. <clears throat> maybe it's the care of a loved one. You know, the care leaves you tired and, and worn. The concern for their welfare and the uncertainty of the future makes room for many questions that can't be answered. In the meantime, it's a struggle day after day. Maybe you're tired or weary or weak this evening. Maybe you're a mother struggling with tiredness. You slip into bed exhausted. The baby's up again before midnight. And again at 4.30. And it serves you a 6.30 or 6 o'clock alarm call. Wake-up call. Then there's breakfast. There's lunches. There's suppers. And uh, then there's the household tasks. The shopping for the groceries. You know, it's the life you chose, but it doesn't take away from the tiring schedule imposed on you. And there are, they, there are days when you're just weary, you're tired, and you're weak. Maybe you're the father that's feeling the stress and burden of providing for the family this evening. You know, the, the paycheck barely reaches. And as the popular country song says, there's too much month left at the end of the money. And... Uh, you just wonder, you know, how's it going to work again? And the bills keep coming in. The costs go on and on. There's food costs, medical costs, clothing costs, tuition costs, fuel costs, housing costs. Maybe you're in the middle of business. You're working very hard to make everything work. You feel responsible to a lot of people. You're wondering, how am I going to do it? How am I going to fulfill all my responsibilities? Or maybe you're a student here this evening. You're working really hard to move ahead in your academic goals. 
You too face financial stresses. You know what that's like. Above that, you face the very constant threat posed by humanistic education that's somewhat imposed on your spirit. You ask yourself, is it really worth it? My friends are moving ahead without me. They're moving ahead with their lives. They're getting married. What am I doing? I'm just studying and studying and studying. Maybe you're the one that's moved ahead this evening and got married and have the job. You're wondering, maybe you're the one that's on the mission field, doing the fulfilling and worthwhile stuff. Or maybe you're doing some voluntary service. Maybe you're wondering this evening, is it really worth it? Am I really making a difference? I should be probably be in college like my friend who didn't move ahead and is still studying and studying and studying. You know, we have these things go through our minds wherever we're at. And it's not just about the grass being greener on the other side of the fence. It's also about, did I make the right decision? And, the, and uh, you know, sometimes we didn't make the right decision. Uh, but many times the devil, even when we've made the right decision, and I'm going to trust we mostly make the right decisions. There's always room for change. There's always room for correction. But the devil, if he sees we're making the right decision, he's not going to give up and say, oh, they made the right decision. Let him move ahead. No, he's going to throw doubt. He's going to throw um, anything he can in your path to make you non-effective. Make you feel like you're really not on course. And that doesn't matter, no matter, it doesn't matter where you're at. What you're doing, you're most likely experiencing some stress or some weariness, or maybe even feeling threatened by the bulls of Bashan. You may want to, you may try to take this no drama approach. I, I read a, a report that a man um, put on a, a LinkedIn post. And this man, I don't think he was a Christian, but he said he takes a no-drama approach. Whenever, and he's in, he was in charge of, of IT um, technical uh, complaint. When people called him up, he, wouldn't, he just wouldn't, be, he wouldn't allow himself to be drawn into drama. He wouldn't, he wouldn't uh, allow himself to become upset. Uh, and if people tried to get him upset, he would tell him, you know, take the drama out and I'll talk with you. Well, we can take that approach and try to take that approach, but it's exceedingly likely that Mr. or Mrs. Drama or something in your, something outside of, you, uh, of your ability to contain or to... Uh, Control is going to worm its way into your life and drama will be in your life. And you'll have to deal with it. And it will cause you stress. It will wake you up sometimes at 3 a.m. in the morning. <clears throat> and you might be thinking of something tomorrow morning that you're going to have to face. Or something you're facing this evening or something you just faced, or something you'll have to face in the next few weeks. 
God knows. He understands. You know, the perfect moments on this side of eternity are truly short and they're fleeting. That's my observation. These moments have much less to do with our doing and much more to do with God's providence. I'll try to explain. I think this holds true in many ways, but I'll try to put this, explain this a bit more here. You know, we can make, we can work very hard to make all the stars align. I've heard that expression. All the stars have aligned and now's the time to do something. Now's the perfect time. But then have the, the unexpected, unanticipated or un- unwelcome cast its shadow over, over our expectation. Or maybe even ruin our expectation. You know, the above can relate to, to many areas in life. From that much anticipated birthday party, everything's coming together. We had a, a birthday party here just recently. Everything came together for our birthday girl, except the uh, pork chops that she was so much anticipating. Her dad wasn't quite paying close enough attention to the grill and they got burned pretty badly. You know, it's just, that's a small thing, but it's the way it works. We're in life. Um, we have expectations. It can go on to the, that vacation that just didn't work out as well as we had anticipated or maybe didn't work out at all. To much larger things, much more important things like broken courtships or loss of a loved one and on and on. You can fill in the blanks. You know what I'm talking about, I think. And then there are the times when our expectations were maybe quite low and quite modest. Maybe not even expectations where God blesses in a special way in spite of challenges and in spite of difficulties. And those are, that's such a blessed experience when that happens. But weariness and weakness and wicked threatening bulls are all part of our life, I believe. And what the question is, is what will we do with this fact? And I'd like to look at three different ways of addressing this. First of all is acknowledge. Isaiah 40 verse 6 says, All man is but mortal. You know, we can't get around that. We're mortal. You're mortal. I'm mortal. Everyone else is mortal. The sinner is mortal. The saint is mortal physically. All man is but mortal. From the richest prince to the poorest beggar, every man shares the same physical reality in the end. And that can't be altered or changed. The body will die. The grass withers and the flower falls. You know, it's only the goodness of God that gives us life both physically and spiritually. There's no life outside of God, only death. Of ourselves, there's only an uncertain mortality, disappointment, and final finality. Of ourself is no good thing, thinking spiritually. At the end of the day, even if we live godly lives, we're only unprofitable servants, Christ says. 
Paul says, all our own righteousness is but filthy rags. Isaiah says, all we like sheep have gone astray. So, I think that shows us pretty clearly that we're very mortal, we're very human, meaning we're in and of ourselves not able to, to reach the realities we want to reach. We're not able to stay away from the depths we don't want to go to. We're not able to face weakness, to face weariness, to face the, the threatening bulls. We can't do it. We need to acknowledge that. And beyond that, repent of ourselves. Then there's the embrace. Isaiah 40, verse 9. You who bring good news to Zion, go up to the high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up and do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. The word of our God endures forever. Verse 8. There are many ways we could turn to when we're facing our own or the effects of our own mortality. But Isaiah extols the people, turn to God, turn to Him. You know, you've tried idolatry. It didn't work. You've tried everything else. It didn't work. Turn to God. You've been in Babylon now. Now turn to God. His Word endures forever. His Word is sure. And in a personal a personal way, at whatever point we are in life, that's a good recipe. You know, it's the devil's design to, to drive a wedge in between us and God. In between us and our connection with God. And he uses weariness, he uses weakness, and big, bad, formidable bulls are his tools to drive that wedge, to make us afraid, to make us distracted from our attention of being on Christ. He'll tell us there isn't time for devotions. There's just too much to do. And then he'll turn around and throw the accusation, how can you possibly be a Christian? You're not reading enough Bible. You're not having long enough devotions. How long were you able to actually count in your prayer? You know, how far did you get in your counting? I don't know if you've ever heard that. Um, he throws accusations at us. God's not even hearing you. It isn't working. You know, in the times like this, there's only one good path, and that's embrace God. Here is my God. There's the amazing testimony of Job. Though he slays me, yet will I trust him. That's a testimony of Job, an amazing testimony, because Job really was being slain. His children gone. He lost everything materially. But more so, I think it's the testimony of how God was sustaining him. God was keeping him. He embraced God. And God sustained. God embraces us. 
Isaiah 40, verse 11, He tends His flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in His arms and carries them close to His heart. He gently leads those that have young. And I think this must be especially referring to fathers and mothers with young. I think it could also be referring to those that are spiritually fathering and mothering others as well. I think it could refer to all of us wherever we're at. He gently leads those that have young. That's my God. And I'm so, so glad He's my God. Invest. Number three, invest in adoration of God. Invest. Invest and invest some more. Isaiah 40 verse 26 says, Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry hosts one by one and calls forth each one of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of His own will He brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruit of His creatures. I believe as we learn to adore and appreciate God, we learn to see on the other side more clearly the mediocrity and the, the shallowness of the world and what it has to offer. Idols of men's hands become less attractive to us. We're less and less enamored by the latest Apple announcement. Uh, these things become things. Tools are useful, but beyond that, they have no meaning to us. They're not something that we adore, something we hold up. God is God, and we learn to adore Him more and more. Our expression is found in the things of the Lord rather than in the work of man's hands. As we lift up our eyes and look to the heavens, we also become a sort of first fruits of His creatures. His special, the apple of His eye, His special people called out. Our adoration investment will reap profits in our own lives. The strength from above will strengthen us. And these perfect gifts will enable us to move ahead. Our vision of God will stay on course. It will stay true. I don't know how many of you got the, uh, Joey Miller's last letter, but I want to read just an excerpt out of there. Just one paragraph. You know she's going. her and Timo Miller are going through a very difficult time right now. He's in jail and waiting an extradition order here to the U.S., that's in Nicaragua. And she's at home with the children and uh, trying to get visits with him as often as possible. And I was, I was impressed. You know, considering the circumstances she finds herself in, a young mother with a bunch of children and her husband in jail, the uncertainty and all that's going with it, she wrote this. 
Waiting is always a season to listen and learn. The heartache we both feel is nothing compared to the battle that is being raged. Let's remember the enemy of our souls, not after our things, but our mind, our hearts, our faith, and our peace. The battle was won on the cross. Let's just claim the victory. We're leaving everything in his hands. You know, what I've not brought into this message is the beautiful design of brotherhood and how God intends that to help us move ahead. How God intends that to help us um, stay strong, even in times of weakness. The collective prayers of the saints. Neither have I brought in the need for special counsel. There are times for this. What I've wanted to emphasize in this message is the our human commonality. We will all be faced with our humanity time and time again. We'll all be faced with weakness. We'll all be faced with weariness, the drag of something going on that just eats away at us. Maybe from different, several different places or multiple places. We'll even be faced by big, bad bulls that seem like they're going to come through the fence or they're going to get us. It's just a matter of time. But we're all blessed as humans with a great and gracious Savior. Praise the Lord. We're all blessed with a great and gracious Savior. And I'm thankful, so thankful for that evening. So it's true, we're going to face weariness, weakness, and distress. It's a human, it's a common thread of mankind. And tonight you may be feeling especially weak, weary, or distressed. The dogs yapping at your heels, like the expression go, the wolves at the door, the bulls of Bashan have circled to you and are snorting, pawing the ground and bellowing. I'd like to remind you, and a reminder to myself, most battles are won inch by inch, foothold by foothold, one piece at a time through blood, tears, and perseverance. Many times it's hard to keep sight of the victory when we're in the midst of the battle. It can be even hard to see the blessing when, we, when we're in the midst of the challenges. You know, Joey wrote a wonderful article of praise while in the middle of a very tough battle. However, Joey and Timo's battle isn't over. They continue to face the challenge. They'll have to continue committing themselves to the Lord, embracing God and investing themselves in God. And we have to do the same whatever battle we're in. Nothing else. No other way will bring us through the through to the fullness of God's plan for us. No God, no drug, no distraction will do the job. Only by embracing and investing in God will we be victorious. Isaiah 40, 28 says, Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the Creator of the ends of the earth. He will not... God will not, Jesus will not, grow tired or weary. His understanding no one can fathom. 
so much more than a God, something made by men, some, some system of belief made by men. His understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary. He increases the power of the weak. In fact, he loves to do that. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord, and there's a key, hope in the Lord, will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. You know, this is not a one-time experience. This is not something that just happens one time. Okay, you come up against something, you get weak, you get weary, and so here comes this, you know, card that you can draw, and it says, okay, renew your strength. But this is something that probably will happen many times in our lives. I know that to be the case in my life. And each time it happens, each time the Lord renews our strength, it makes us prepared, more prepared, more trusty, more confident, more ready to face the next battle. But then we're called to invest and invest and invest and to turn our uh, hearts and our minds heavenward. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. The Lord is the everlasting God. He'll not grow tired or weary. And His understanding no one can fathom. I praise God that He's God and that it, we can all look to Him for this strength. And I pray that whatever you're facing this evening or will be facing, um, God will give you the strength. He will if you call on Him. And He'll show you the way, even though the way isn't clear. He'll show you step by step, inch by inch. And He'll bring you to victory. May God bless you. May He bless us all as we seek to serve Him.